Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello Australia, welcome to My Millennial Money, I'm Glenn James and this is your boy, John Pigeon, and we are joined by Rowan Dredge today, g'day Rowan, how are you? I'm so good, welcome, so Rowan. excited to be here, thank you. Yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll ask some questions to Rowan soon about what he's doing here exactly, but before I get into the episode today, I just want to remind everybody that we have a, a couple of other podcasts, John's got one called My Millennial Property, which I've, uh, I've been fired from, so what happened there, John? Well, you, uh, we, we just replaced you with someone better, basically. Yeah, okay, there you go. So, Emily Wallace, uh, she's a buyer's advocate out of Melbourne. She's joining John on My Millennial Property now. Mm, I mocked you on the last episode, too. Thanks for that. <laughs> That's your final warning. Yeah. Uh, and also, we've got My Millennial Career with Shell and M, and they're just slaughtering it yeah. in terms of the cool content that they're pumping out. There's a podcast called My Millennial Money Express, which is just me to the microphone, Five, ten minutes, pow, pow, pow. Uh, and we've also just relaunched Gen Z Money. So if you are under 24 years old or whatever age and just want more content, uh, you can check out Gen Z Money. Now, we can't do any of uh, this podcast or employ people to get this content to you without our friends at Sun Super. SunSuper actually have an exclusive membership discount program. It's called Dream Rewards. So if you're a member of SunSuper, you get instant access to this. And I even saw an email the other day that are offering discounts for online courses. There's food discounts, there's fuel discounts, there's fitness, there's holidays, there's furniture, there's fashion and everything. You just you know one or three things about fashion, don't you, John? Fashion. Yeah, don't answer that. Uh, holidays, not sure you can go anywhere at the moment, but we can't do this podcast without SunSuper. We can't give you financial advice. But we can say, if you are reviewing your superannuation, throw them in the mix. I'm a member. I haven't been disappointed. John can't be a member because he's got his own self-managed super fund. So that's I, an, I endorse your decision. Yeah. So And that's just an example of uh, one shoe does not fit all. So thank you, Sun Super. Now, Ro, you ready? I'm here. You ready to have a chat? Ready. Let's pluck this chicken. Rowan Dredge lives and breathes leadership and has taught and inspired thousands of people of all ages in an engaging way. He is the host of the For Leaders Global podcast, and in today's episode, we hope he can teach Glenn the virtues of democratic leadership, something a fanatical dictator like Glenn knows nothing about. So, Ro, we've just had a little bit of an intro to you. Uh, Asha, our voiceover artist, has introed you, but just give us the, the 411 or the 892 or whatever the cool kids are saying on the street about what you're about, what you do, and uh, what you're doing here today. Yeah, look, I'm really, I'm really privileged to be here for a start. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I love talking about leadership. I love leaders, and I love people learning leadership as well. And that's probably my main game. I got given a responsibility as a 17-year-old 
to uh, to take a whole group of people across Sydney on public transport and organise the whole thing without without being asked what to do or how to do it. And uh, no one ever said that was a leadership exercise. But looking back, that's exactly what it was. And pretty much for the rest of my life, I've been figuring stuff out along the way with those sorts of things. I started life as a high school teacher. I've been in not-for-profit leadership. And now I run my own consulting practice and uh, love every minute of it. Yeah. And I think it's it's so funny, like the non-for-profit sector uh, – you usually get a lot of volunteers in that world, whether it's the Meals on Wheels club down the road and they've got volunteers helping deliver meals. Uh, leadership really comes to the to the top when you've got people that they don't have to be there and a lot of the time they're not getting paid. Mm. So it, you do learn a lot in those situations. Yeah, it, it's a nice way to dip your toes in the water, isn't it? Because volunteers, everyone loves a volunteer, appreciates a volunteer, or maybe not always appreciates them, but it gives them a chance to, to lead uh, in an environment where they don't have to submit a resume or get approved to get the job. You just go and do it, right? Well, I think the beauty of volunteerism too is is that you're, you're dealing with a currency that's not money too. Yeah. So you, you're not an employee and you're not somebody that's turning up because you're getting a paycheck. And, it's, and that's a two-edged sword. On one, on one hand, you, uh, you're actually doing it because there's something more valuable and more important to you. And on another, you're actually trying to work out what your best contribution is with your available extra time. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's a really important thing to go through. Somebody that gives time to a not-for-profit, a community group, a club, a surf club or, or something they believe in, in my mind, they're a, they're a true hero. Yeah. So going back to your 17-year-old experience, um, were you reluctant to take on that responsibility across Sydney? Because I, I find, before you answer this, a lot of those crossroads that we get to in life, saying yes, even though we've got a bit of a knot in the stomach about doing it, actually gives us so much of a learning experience to fast forward our, um, our, our experiences. Yeah, it's so true. You know, when you, you think back and you go, if, if I actually knew at 17 what I figured out at 35 yeah. or, or however it works, you know, I would have done that so much better or so much differently, you know. I suppose that's true. But uh, on this occasion, I had a person who was a bit older than me uh, his name was Stephen. He believed in me. Yeah. He gave me an opportunity and I had a crack. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was as simple as that. Now, I was probably blissfully unaware of the safety net yeah. that he had uh, set up around me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so perhaps the success was not all my own doing uh, <laughs> again. And But when you unpack that for a minute and you go, well, how does that make sense as a leader? Well, hang on a minute. Someone believed in you. Yeah. All right. Do that. Uh, give someone an opportunity, do that. Yeah. Be their safety net, but do do, that. Doesn't that speak to you were willing to put your hand up and, and take on that? If you didn't put your hand up, he would have given it to someone else who could be sitting here today instead. So when I trained as an executive coach, my coach trainer said this, say yes, then figure out how. Yeah. And I just think, you know, if you're interested in growing as a leader, you forget the title, yeah. forget the position. I mean, one of the questions that came through is, well, how do I lead from the middle of the pack? Mm. You say yes, yeah. and you figure out how. Yeah. Because the the best definition of leadership that we're leaning into into the future is not position. Yeah. It's not title. It's influence, relationship, mm. connection, engagements, value. 
Absolutely. Now, Love so it. Rose shared a bit about his uh, early leadership, I guess, experiences. Mm. Uh, I'll get John to share maybe your first memory of uh, being a leader mm. uh, because we're all leaders, okay? And I guess how I want to unpack this episode, uh, John will quickly share, I'll quickly share, and then we'll talk about some broad leadership styles. And Rose got a podcast called the Four Leaders Global Podcast. So while you're listening to this, maybe open your Spotify again or your Apple or whatever you're listening on. And after you've given us a five-star review on Apple, uh, then open Rose Podcast, uh, <laughs> the Four Leaders Global Podcast. Hit subscribe uh, because I've listened to many of those episodes and I just think there's so much gold that drips mm. uh, out of those episodes. Yeah. So we will talk about some leadership styles, uh, but... You know, you might be thinking, oh, you've got a bloody money podcast. What are you doing about leadership? Well, if the first thing about leadership, we've got to lead the person in the freaking mirror first. And if that person can be led well, money will follow. And this podcast, yes, we are not 100% about the money, but if we cut our life up into a pie and carve out money, health, relationships, uh, most people's pie, there's going to be money. So it will just, I guess... Ro will probably speak to and John can from experience how the leadership in your families and all that can come out of that. But John, what was your, and then obviously we'll answer some listener questions that you guys have put in the Facebook group. So mm. what do you have an earliest uh, leadership story? Yeah, I think my, my childhood was an obsession for sport and playing sport and, and having coaches that primarily led by example led by doing just uh, I'll show you how to do it and, and I'll give you inspiration to, to go and do the same. So that, that's probably my earliest experiences and, and I, I've done a lot of sports coaching and um, personal training and, and teaching and through the last 30-odd years and I, I think I started off by leading by action and by doing uh, and by relationship building, so getting their trust through relationships. Uh, but over the last probably five or six years, it, it was more uh, – I spun that around a bit more to to ask questions of themselves. And instead of me carrying the load of responsibility of leading, it was more a case of getting more out of them so that they can lead themselves. Yeah, no, that's cool. I guess for me at the earliest and, – and this will probably come up in the discussion like – are you a natural born leader? Are you a natural born killer? Like whatever your natural born thing is. Yeah. Um, when I was, I think, eight years old, I was in Cubs. Okay, and I and I just had to have a look up while John was talking. I was actually the uh, a sixer in Cubs, which was uh, it says here. Sixers and seconders are, are a cub who stands out for being able to look after and lead a team. They are good at sharing. Uh, maybe not me. Oversharing maybe. They are kind. Oh, again, they may be giving me the wrong role here. Um, and they are a young person that is gr- uh, growing in confidence. A sixer is not necessarily the eldest cub in the pack. It is the cub who demonstrates the qualities of an effective leader. So I guess at a very young age, I was leading, I think there was five or six in our group and you know, it was little Glenny up there. And then I guess that was an influential part of my leadership life. And then one thing that also stood out to me, kind of fast forward, you know, growing a business and doing volunteer work with the Association of Financial Advisors, organizing conferences and all that. And then I I did an executive leader. It was called Strategic Leadership and it was a week-long course at Stanford University and we went on site and 
that just blew my mind and the things I learned that week I'm implementing today and it's just changed my life. And then fast forward again, another few years uh, leading this community, My Millennial Money. And for me, it's kind of, you know, as much as I'd love to be a dictator, um, the weird thing is not everyone agrees with me and that's a real health check. And I think I've kind of grown into a, a facilitator but also if a decision needs to be made, I'll, ha- I'll make it. You can do it, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so that's kind of my leadership journey. Mm. Um, so and what I've, do you make of those two? Oh, I, th- uh, I think you just, I think you've picked up on something that's so relevant right now. And that's, like, you pick, what kind of a leader is a successful leader right now? What kind of a leader is effective right now? And I actually was writing about this yesterday. And uh, I talk about this idea that leadership is circles and triangles and it needs to be both. And, um, and what I mean by that is a circle is something that's flat, shared power, shared opinions, and uh, a triangle is something that's got a pointy end. There's someone at the top and a decision needs to be made. And uh, the truth is that leadership needs to be a combination of both of those yeah. and the, the I don't think people argue with that. Every time I teach that, every time I talk about it, no one, no one says, oh, no, that's not true. Yeah. Where it goes off track is when you're supposed to be collaborative and someone walks in and they're just being really dominant. Mm. Because every, every great leader I know has got some form of control about the way they want things yeah. to be done because they, they're really passionate about what they're doing. Yeah. But then at the same time, you want to facilitate. You want people to be part of it. Mm. But someone needs to make a decision. Is it you? Is it you? Mm. Is it me? And navigating that, I think, is a beautiful thing. That actually deepens relationships, creates trust. Yeah. And, I, and forward. I'll share it again because I it just changed my life. Um, and John, in your example, uh, you said you looked up to someone or who was leading by example. Mm. One of the big things that we learned in the strategic leadership uh, course at Stanford is you can't lead by example because if you are leading by example, you cap out at what you know. That's right. So what I've had to kind of design in everything we're doing, and I hope you who are listening to the podcast and watching on YouTube, what up? How are you? Uh, hopefully you're subscribing and liking and leaving a comment and all that stuff that people do um, is, and I hope, yeah, you'll see it in the M3 community that I'm now leading by design Mm. and the professors at Stanford were saying uh, uh, leading by design is creating systems and frameworks for those who you lead to flourish. And an example of that is the My Millennial Career podcast. So I've created a system framework. I'm not, I can't lead by example in the career space because I'm not a HR professional, but I can lead the community and give them a framework to flourish Mm. so that's kind of my vibe yeah brilliant so the education part of it always intrigues me i've got kids at a uh, primary school age at the moment i've taught primary school and high school my wife's a teacher my mother-in-law is a teacher my father-in-law was a teacher we could be twins (laughs) (laughs) how's christmas (laughs) yeah that's right so i want to put it to you ron when you walk into a classroom and you're a teacher out the front, the old school way of teaching is I'll talk, you listen, take notes, hopefully you're learning or some of it's getting retained and off you go into the 
world. The good teachers or the good educators now are, are empowering and, and but giving responsibility and interaction to the conversation, aren't they? Oh, there's no doubt that there's been a huge shift. You know, we're, we're way past command and control. It doesn't fly. It doesn't work and yeah. people walk away from it faster than they, you know, the, 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 than, than possible. And so, and then at the same time, and this is the, this is the, I think this is the beautiful nuance with leadership. Someone's got to lead. The question is, how do they do that? Mm. And then how do they get that kind of engagement that you're talking about? How do we, how do we be someone who is a source of, of knowledge, but not the only place that we go to. Mm. And I think that's, that's the beautiful thing. And uh, I think recognizing that your responsibility might be to lead probably gives you about five to 10% of the, uh, of the authority. And that might be the one, okay, this is what we'll do then. But everybody else has a voice. Everybody else has a contribution. Everybody else has a part to play. And I think the leadership by design that you were just referencing, Mm -hmm. Glenn, is it's actually about finding out what it is that the room's got, what it is that our community's got, what it is that the the people who are listening to this 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 podcast have got, and how can we leverage that and move it forward? I think the idea of taking the millennial idea and talking about different topics is straight up genius. Yeah, it's a really good idea because who doesn't want extra extra help? Yeah, but I think one of the most important things a leader can say, John, is I don't know. But let's figure it out together. Yeah, yeah, so important. Being uh, having being vulnerable, I suppose, is another important aspect, isn't it? It's just like, well, I'm only human, and you're just sitting there going, "Well, look, I'm I'm not certain. It could be this, that, or the other. Let's figure it out." Mm. I think where we want we want to be confident in our leaders. We want we want we want to be able to trust that you've got this this some skills and you're doing some work on yourself so that you can continue to be effective. But the, the speed, the pace, the rate and the size of change in our world, we can't keep up. No. And we're not designed to, but we are designed to lead together Yeah. and we are designed to, to, to do it in community. Mm. And I think, again, you go back to the volunteering idea that you just think, man, one of my favourite quotes ever is don't just use all the brains you've got, but all the brains you can borrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's funny, like you just said, quote, and I don't know who made the quote up. But I always have it in my mind when I'm dealing with like the team or if, you know, we've got someone who's volunteering in My Millennial Money at the moment. Hey, Jack, how are you? Are you listening to this? Um, (laughs) And my whole thing is like, you can't push a rope. You've got to bring people Mm. on a journey. And, And that does require leadership. Now, on the topic of leadership... Uh, there are some broad leadership styles and I don't know if you got a printout, John, because you did some homework. I did a lot of homework. And you uh, you got some of Rose IP from his website. Yeah, stole it. <laughs> I'm actually going to use it going forward. Are you really? That yep. much? Because I Googled it and it was pretty unique across the uh, <laughs> the Google world. <laughs> but uh, I loved it, Rowan. And, and it was, uh, I think it was in your introduction to your in your first podcast that I listened to that uh, I, he- I heard this, but uh, yeah, do you want me to elaborate on it? Yeah, please yeah. do. Because um, it was it's the seven transformations of leadership. Yep. Yeah, and the thing that um, that interests me when you were talking about that was eighty five percent of the workplace tops out. Yep. Can you just speak to that for a moment, and then I'll come back to the types that we're looking at. 
Yeah, look, that's that's a really interesting article. That one, that, that um, and it really just talks about what, what is the article? Sorry, it's the I think it's an eight. Uh, it's a Harvard Business Review that's right. article yeah. on the seven transformations of leadership, and um, it's um, didn't you listen to his podcast like I asked <laughs> you to before? <laughs> you, you do the homework. I, I listened to it months ago, John, <laughs> and I told you to. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, look, that's just one of lots of articles and, and approaches that we reference. But essentially, what this particular study was trying was was working out was that people who are really, really good at their job misunderstand that there's a difference between good at your job and being good at, at leadership. Mm. And I think essentially if someone said, what do you do in the market? Why do, why do people engage you, Rowan? People engage me because they've got a business full of people that are good at their job, but not enough leaders. Yeah. And that's essentially what I change. Yeah, that's great. And, and this particular article says that you can be a, what they called an expert or an achiever, which sounds enough. Yeah. But essentially that's saying, hey, I've reached the top of my game as an accountant. I've reached the top of my game as an engineer. I've reached the top of my game as a nurse. I've reached the top of my game as as whatever it is that I'm doing. And so I'm considered to be an expert. Mm. 10,000 hours, all those sorts of things that we hear about. And what they're saying is there's a transition across to that top 15%. In fact, I ran a whole program called the top 15%. And you move across by understanding the power of collaboration, co-creation, engagement, and uh, the sort of skills that we've been talking about, 21st century leadership skills. Yeah, yeah it's great. So those seven um, types, I suppose, um, in no particular order, opportunist, diplomat, expert, achiever, individualist, strategist, and alchemist. Alchemist, yeah. Alchemist. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you can look at those and it and it works out the strengths and weaknesses of each of those types. And you can clearly see from that, uh, I'm a bit of that and a bit of that, but I'm none of that sort of thing. You can quickly work out in a, in a working environment at least um, who fits maybe where. You're right. And, I mean, again, if you're starting out in your leadership career, you, you start out pretty green. Yeah. Um, you don't know what you don't know. You're trying to work it out. You've got to work out not just what's expected of you in your role but what the culture is in the organisation. And so it can actually be pretty transactional. So those earlier, those, those styles, the opportunist and the, and, and the diplomat, they, they are the sort of those younger kind of less mature styles, shall we say. And then you actually get better at your get better at your, your, your job. So, for example, I'm, I'm married into a family of educators. I started life as a high school teacher uh, and uh, just loved it and uh, still love high schoolers today. I actually go – I take my corporate program to high schools every now and then nice. uh, when I'm invited because I just I just think teenagers are not just the future but they're the best. Yeah. Um, and uh, this idea of transitioning across from being really good at your job to doing exactly what you were talking about, Glenn, to actually – thinking strategically about the mobilization of other people mm. and i reckon that's a huge shift for a leader because mm. all those earlier styles are actually about your success i was gonna say that yeah it's amazing isn't it? it's that self uh, selfishness i suppose isn't it well and it's understandable understandable right? yeah, totally yeah, but but it is self-focused yeah but when you move across the strategist or alchemist or co-creator or collaborator you actually start to mobilize other people yeah. and i reckon that's 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 a really magical part of being a leader because mm. you can't control it, but you can guide it and release it and resource it. Mm. Yeah, and I think 
um, there, there's, a, there's a couple of questions that we'll get to that, but like, I, I really want to know, like, are there some personalities that actually aren't leaders? Look, I think it comes back to your philosophy of leadership for a start, the number one. And number two, I think it I think it also actually comes back to have you actually thought through what you think about personal growth and development. Mm. I subscribe very much to the 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 idea of neuroplasticity. I think people can learn, mm. people can grow, we can adapt, we can change, we can shift mindsets, we can uh, learn new skills. I really believe that that's true. And uh, – and I think that if you don't, if you're not interested in leadership, it's probably less because of your capabilities and, and more because of your disposition. You just don't want to. And, and that's okay. Yeah. 100% okay. Yeah. It, the only reason why you, you'd probably hear someone like me push against that is because of my own worldview. You know, I think lead, shift, change, decide. Um, make but also, about you, culture. you have seen experiences where people didn't think they were and then turn around into a really good, successful team player. And I think that's the art of leadership. What is it that they actually need to realise what's possible on the other side? Okay, question for you. Uh, what happens if you're really good at your job? Okay, so you're in a, I'll just make a, a, an example up. You're in a call centre. Uh, there's a pod of you in the team. There's eight people. You're so good at your job next minute the team leader decides oh i'm going on maternity leave or i'm pissing off overseas or whatever (laughs) oh we need another leader let's just find the best person you're now the leader of the team so what happens if you fall into a position of accidental leadership and so often it happens Uh. right i again i I live Bumper stickers or values are really important to me so i've got this this idea that says getting ready is just as important as being ready I think it's really important. But what if you don't get that opportunity? Yeah. What if you you uh, you uh, come in and the briefing there is uh, everyone's being told about what's going on with the day and they look over and then they say, we're really pleased to announce that Dave's now leading the, the call centre team yeah. and that's the first time Dave hears it because he hasn't checked his inbox. Because yeah, yeah. his leader's <laughs> incompetent as well. That's right, yeah. The, communication. Lead, the person he reports to is not strong in communication. Yeah, broken telephone. Don't talk about my millennial money <laughs> on the podcast, please. So, but here you go. Do two things, these two things, right? Stop laughing, Nathan. <laughs> um, if that happens to you, like if you rock up and you all of a sudden become the leader, then Max Dupree said the first job of a leader is to define reality. Mm. So you just gather everyone together, shout them lunch, and you go, tell me what's going on. Yeah. What, or tell me what's going on. Define reality. Yeah. And, you know, what's working, what's not working, and if we could have a wand and, and wave that wand, how would we like it to be different? It's keeping it really basic. Is really, what but yeah. but what happens at that, John, is when you ask that question, people will share. Mm. And mm. and people, because I think sometimes we complicate leadership when it's actually a bit about what we're doing right now. What did you mm. notice? What did you learn? What are you seeing? How do you reckon we should handle that? Yeah. So I often say to myself uh, and to others, communication's often the problem and the solution. Absolutely. Yeah. So the second thing I'd say just quickly on that one, just sorry to jump in, um, is um, is your role as a leader is to be clear more than certain. Mm. Because we don't know what's coming down the line. I'm writing that down. Business-wise. Yeah. So clarity is more important than certainty. Yeah. And so um, you know, I live my entire life by a, a rule that says if I've got 70% of the information, I'll make a decision and keep moving. Now, 
I'm not building bridges, right? So 70% of the information is enough yeah. for me. I'm, I'm dealing with people. I'm dealing with decisions and emotions. You're not putting the SpaceX docking station together. Exactly. <laughs> because a 30% differential is a very expensive mistake yeah. that will go viral. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but what I'm saying is if we're clear that what we want to be in the next 90 days is a call centre team that delivers on this or that cares about that or that treats each other like this, write those three things down and go do them. Mm. It reminded me of something. You may have read this book. It analysed the world's greatest sporting teams over the past 100 years or more and a guy went out and did this and and reported back to find – out of the top 20, what was the commonality between those top teams? Have you read the book? Uh, no. Well, you'll have to help me out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> was it written in 1992? It was actually released about two years ago uh, and it's an unbelievable book on on leadership. But because it was sport-related, I loved it, right? And it, I glossed over it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've been caught out. So yes, uh, <laughs> no, And I didn't give the the um, title because it gives it away. It's called The Captain Class. I've got it, yeah. You've got it. Yeah, there you I've, go. I've so parts of it. Yeah, it, it's really interesting that out of those teams, the, the captain wasn't the best player. Mm. They, they didn't necessarily talk the most. They weren't um, the most courageous, but they had qualities in them that meant that they could lead. Yeah. And so often I see in the sporting world and maybe in business where the person that's appointed to the top is the best at what they do but not the best leader. Yeah, and that goes back to the call center example that I shared when you were probably on your phone looking at the book. <laughs> so he always has a final word, right? That's, I'm hearing yeah. that, yeah. yeah. And, mm. and you're on your final warning, so it's yeah. all a little. Yeah, true. Uh, it's all just a that little. Was, that it's was all a little nerve. That was 18 here. months ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, on that, John, in the book, was was the captain like unequivocally, if that's the word, respected? Totally respected. So yeah. almost the respect has more currency than any type of skill. Yeah, and, and what I said at the start when you asked me about what my experience was, it was always, oh, you just follow the best player, right? But yeah. that's far from the truth mm. and, and teams are still getting it wrong today in that respect. The beauty of that book, and I actually um, I've, I haven't read it in detail but I've, I've, I am familiar with some of the ideas, is I think that book captures exactly the paradox we're trying to work out about leadership mm. right now mm. and that is – uh, is leadership supposed to just be flat and everybody's got the same amount of voice and authority and, and power? Um, well, at some sometimes, yeah. Um, now, is leadership supposed to be the one that leads from the front and that takes that risk and makes the decision? Sometimes, yeah. 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 And the, the beauty about that book is I think it says they're not necessarily the, the best of the best of the best, no. but they're still the leader. Yeah. Mm. And there's still a point person. And there's still somebody that will stand up and be responsible for the success or failure. And I think that's really important. Mm. And if you're, you know, you're listening to this or watching this, it, one of the best things you can do is actually support your leader. Yeah. <laughs> actually give them 
honor and, and encouragement and feedback and and say thank you because yeah. I'll tell you right now, very few people are. <laughs> yeah, be, and, and in the working environment, it's because they're probably trying to take their spot, right? <laughs> but they'll soon get found out with that approach. So I guess we can tie Some leaders will say you can have it. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And in kind of following on to that, and I'll get you, John, to make – because you've had experience coaching AFL teams, right? Mm. Um so I guess in the sporting world, your experience, John, but for Roe, you know, there's probably 20% of people that are listening now who work for an incompetent leader mm-hmm. and well, not necessarily their employee, but someone they report to. So how do you deal with an incompetent leader that's been assigned? So it could be the best person elevated to leadership. Mm. Um, oh, we've all got to report to this person. They're horrendous. Um, how do we navigate that? Well, John, <laughs> you're the guest Glenn, here. Glenn, Glenn did reference you. Yes, you're the guest with the expertise, mate. I'll follow right. up from you. <laughs> I'm going from a series of sort of downhill moves. You yeah. didn't know the book, can't yeah. answer the question. Yeah. yeah, true. No, not true at all. Um, you want me to go first, don't you? Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to, but, uh, you know. You go first from the sporting volunteer. Yeah, look – I, th- I think in a, if it is on a volunteer basis, it's yeah. a very different conversation because we appreciate the fact that they are volunteering. They yeah. put their hand up or got their yeah. hand tied behind their back in the first place. Yeah. But if it's a paid position, then it's a totally different um, ball game, isn't it? So I, I've only really seen it from a, from a volunteer perspective, I suppose. So normally they would realise – that they're probably Beyond not fitted them. for that yeah. that position anyway, and they would exit before. Yeah, true. Whereas in the corporate world, maybe they're getting the good dollars. They want to maybe stick around and try and make it work when the the organisation can clearly see that it's not working. Because middle management, it's got a bad name for a reason, and I don't know what that reason is. And I'm not going to hypothesise because there's probably a lot of middle managers listening, good and bad. Mm. But I guess Roe, is it more of a a probing question. It's like you approach it because I wrote this down before and I want to just tell everyone every time we do a podcast episode, we always want it to have kind of a, a look through three lenses. Is it practical? Is it helpful? And we're adding value to listeners. Yeah. So is there a practical thing? It's like, hey, leader, totally respect you, but can we do some more team development or something like that? Yeah, look, so let's just tackle the the elephant of the bad boss um yeah the, yeah what if you're working for someone who's crap and I, you know i've just interviewed a, a lady who's uh, written a book called bad bosses right. and um you know she says yeah, and she actually talks about the idea of um uh, working with one or even being one and the truth is in 30 years of 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 leading i've i've been a bad boss so I think that's the first place to start, mm. which is, you know, leadership starts with looking in the mirror yeah. and it starts with figuring out. In fact, the way I say it is I say, you know, all leadership starts with self-leadership and all self-leadership starts with self-awareness. So the very first thing is, um, you know, let's not throw rocks in a, in a glass house. We don't know what's going on for that person. We don't understand all of their tensions and, uh, and, and all, of, all of their life. But that doesn't mean that you need to be tolerant of the situation that you're in. If it's dangerous, if it's um, unethical, illegal or immoral, you leave straight away and report it. Like yeah. that would, I would have no, no question about that. So that you are 
you know, if that's your environment, you are not to stay there. Yeah. Um, you ought to you ought to back yourself enough that that you need to be and you ought to be in a, a safe place to work. But typically, typically it's temperaments, personalities, mm. communication, mm. and they they said this with the intention of helping, yeah. but it came across as gruff. Uh, or yeah. abrupt or yeah, rude yeah. and so then we label it and then it goes to HR and, yeah. and it gets real complex. So you're working for a bad boss, I'd say these two or three things. Number one, uh, firstly, you talk to and not about. Yeah. Mm. So you go to them and you say, listen, and I call everyone uh, David and Sharon. So I go, okay, Sharon, I know, I'd love to sit down with you and, and just talk about how things are going and then get their story listen so you know first thing talk to not about second thing seek to understand not be understood that's a jim collins statement and uh so you actually want to know where are they coming from what are they thinking in this and then ask permission to say what's the best way to give you some feedback on how things are going here mm. because this is how and then you own it yeah this is how i'm seeing things this is how i'm on what I'm, what I'm sensing and hearing, and I'd love to be able to be part of the solution. Yeah, and is this is how I'm receiving it. Is this your intent? Yeah, because this is how it's received. Exactly. With respect. So I'll, I'll jump in here. You know, we're, we're, one of the things I take to market now is this leadership assessment called the Five Leadership Voices, and essentially it answers the question that says, "What's it like to be on the other side of you? Mm. What's it like to be on the other side of you?" I know you just grimaced. I do not want the answer to that question. Ask, ask my wife. Fine, I know. I know. I'm self-aware enough to know it's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. And look. Let's just pause on that. I know. <laughs> because isn't, but even just that question. But understand my heart, please. <laughs> yeah. So what is it like to be on the other side? Of me as a leader, of me as a dad, of me as a as a partner, you know, of mm. uh, what's it like to be in my team? And I'll I'll tell you over all this, over the years I've been leading, some days it's been as good as it gets. Yeah. Other days I don't even want to be in the team I'm in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you run it. <laughs> That's right. And I'm the I'm the leader. And this particular assessment is best on ground when it comes to giving you feedback on how other people experience you yes right and so as it turns out i'm on this particular voice order i'm the two most forceful voices i know what i want i'm happy to tell other people to to do it and i'm you know and i'm quite happy to to sort of put my head down and 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 take the mountain um can i jump in and ask a question (laughs) yes uh, yesterday, so we use Slack in our team and Jess, the producer of the show and Jess, our uh, design, comms, marketing, like amazing Great women. girl, yeah. Um, we've got a Slack channel, just the three of us in the chat and then there's different chats. Anyway, we got onto a topic about what's your um, Enneagram, uh, what's our Maya Briggs, okay? Yeah. We said, oh, Glenn, what are you? And I wrote, oh, I'm an ENTJ and next minute, they're having a freaking 20 minute discussion with each other all about the points about Glenn. And I'm reading it thinking that's a wild personality profile. And it was just confronting. It's like, so all that to say, um, for those who run a small business that are listening and I'm asking on behalf of me and the M3 team, and I'm happy for the team who are listening to hold me accountable to this. We probably need to do a session facilitated by a third party to just so we can all understand what page we're on. And it's not about everyone coming over to Glenn's page 
It's just knowing this is Glenn's page or that's Nathan's page or that's Jess's page. So speak to the people who manage a small team in a small business maybe. Yeah, well, in specifics, this is a smartened down version of, of, of Myers-Briggs. And I, I've, we were talking before we started just about how many of these we've done. I've done hundreds of them. Mm. and I. But what I most want isn't the assessment. I don't want the label or the tool. I want what it does for us. So I'm an ENTJ as well. Ugh. And so essentially it's we can make decisions quickly internally. Um, we're very comfortable with giving people direction, sometimes too much direction with too much weight and force. And so we come across as blunt and, uh, and uncaring. We don't intend to be. Right, I'm talking about me, not you, Glenn. Um, <laughs> have you been that? reading the Reddit reviews about my podcast? Have you? Well, the screenshots from Slack were a little difficult to yeah. read, but I, but I, but I expanded them out a little bit, and I said, "Okay, got it, Jess. I'll bring yeah. it up in the show." Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, but the point is, is again, and this comes back to we're talking about. Let's talk about millennial leadership. It's actually about leading yourself, mm. and so if that is true for me, if my tendency is to be abrupt, demanding, with high expectations and people are very clear about whether they meet those expectations or not, it's on me to come up with a strategy to change that. And so there are – and to be responsible for that. That's what I mean by self-leadership. And we're rolling this out with lawyers. We're rolling it out with engineers. We're rolling it out with people in the medical profession, uh, builders, it's, it's, it's agnostic when it comes to who it helps because what happens is what you'll notice with take Jess, for example, is you'll notice with Jess that she'll come out um, uh, more of the creative style of voice, mm. which is one of the voices, and, um, and they are a quieter voice that needs to have time taken with them to be understood. And when you know that, even an ENTJ can adapt their leadership style, even that, that pioneer connector mm. which is the voices so we'll put a link in the show notes to that program i had a look before on the website you don't accept everybody you you fill out an application yeah so if you if you're serious or if you run a team or a small business and you are serious about actually doing something and again we talk on the podcast all the time and the career girls talk about it you know you might not be able to get a pay rise today because of covid but there might be budget for extra um, education and, and learning and development. Professional development. Yeah, exactly. So uh, what type of price point would be on that? Well, the, the assessment itself is free. And yeah, oh, be, sorry, I'm getting they're, Yeah, they'll, No, 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 they're two different. Th they're, they're connected things. So the assessment itself is, is free and I know that we'll have, have the link there. Yeah. The, the actual program that we're rolling out at the moment, the Leadership Accelerator, is uh, 2997, yep. 2997 plus GST. Yep. It's a six-month program, but it's about four hours a month. Yeah. So it's something that either you can enroll in either as an individual or we're in conversations with businesses who are sending 10, 15, 20, 30 people to this group. Do you think it would be appropriate for My Millennial Money team? Um, well... You know, I didn't know this was a sales call, but but uh, <laughs> appropriate answer is I yes. Was, yeah, that's that's an absolute yes, Glenn. Um, uh, yeah, it's small teams, large teams. It's got scale. It's got digital platforms. Mm. So it kind of leans in. But again, let me just want to emphasise why, and that is because when you know yourself, you can lead yourself. True. Mm. Yeah. It's it's changed 
changed my leadership. Mm. I've been leading 30 years. I've learned just as much in the last three years as I have in the last 15. I was thinking that as you were saying that, it's a great thing about leadership and life, isn't it? You continue to evolve and the moment you stop doing that, you become stale and outdated. Which I think why sport is such a good metaphor Mm. because a game is never the same game twice and Mm. it changes and you've got to be able to have that level of adaptability as a leader. But yes, the answer is yes. It would actually shift the dynamic for you and it would mean that people would understand how to lead you as the leader and it would help you how to lead them as the people in your team and, and get more out of them. Yeah, so I'm, I might talk to Ro after the podcast about doing something because I know we want to grow the team and, you know, and it's again like the team will find out about something that's on my mind in the Facebook group publicly. <laughs> Like he finds out stuff we're doing all the time. Yeah. Oh, we've got a new business direction strategically. Everyone knows. Oh, by the way, team, we're doing this. Like because my personality is shoot first, then I'll look at aiming. Yeah. So yeah, I we, think- we've got strategies that actually help people with mm. with that. Yeah. And that actually get you greater engagement better scale and a much better quality product. Mm. Sorry, John. No, I was just saying, I've just been recently appointed um, to a board of a college, um, which is a Peter 12 school. And they asked, well, Great. what do you bring, what do you bring to the table and, and how do you, uh, how, how do you communicate? Well, what are your two biggest traits, I suppose? And I would say, well, they're not necessarily my biggest traits, but I think communication and empathy are your, your two big ones to be able to, get your team gelled together because there's a, a little bit of a cultural issue within the, the school So um, from a leadership point of view. So I think having that empathy for teachers or staff or whoever it is around you that you can say, we actually, I understand your situation. Mm. Um, I've got your back uh, and, and you're simply communicating with them, not from a top-down point of view, but we're, we're all on the level playing field. Yeah, Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back to Community Member of the Week and then we're going to go through the Facebook group, all the questions you've put, do some rapid fire and we'll, uh, we'll get on with it. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. And now, for the most highly regarded, auspicious moment in podcast history in Australia, which maybe isn't as big as it should be, it is the My Millennial Money Community Member of the Week. All right, Community Member of the Week. Connor, you are up. Thanks for being part of the My Millennial Money community. Connor, and this is like, we do these podcasts for the the Connors of the world. 21-year-old on the sunny coast. He's a graphic designer. His goal is saving for a home deposit. And you'll love this, John. He's trying to achieve this goal by saving 60 to 70% of his income. Well done, Connor. Yeah. Living at home. Yeah. Uh, He must be living at home. And his silliest money mistake, he spent $1,500 on a premium economy seat, even when he already bought a ticket for economy. 
Ooh. Has he been listening to you too I much? think, I, yeah, I've done the odd <laughs> upgrade, but is it silly or is it wise? I'm oh. not sure. Well, he's only done it once. He's only done it once. But again, Connor, like, thank you so much for listening. And I'd encourage you as a, you're a graphic designer, um, how can you apply these leadership things? Because graphic designers, they talk to clients. Graphic designers work with a team. Graphic designers might work with copywriting. So what can you take from here, Connor, to just really turn up your career a notch? And we always say, just take out one thing from the podcast. So Yeah, and I think it is, and I suppose we've already said this, but no matter who's listening, no matter what position you're in, leadership is about yourself, isn't it? And not the team of people to begin with. Well, it absolutely starts there. Again, you've got the sports background. Um, let's imagine we're all, we're all in a team and uh, I'm not training. Mm. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting my ball skills up to where they need to be. I'm not, I'm not working on my fitness. At some point in time, you're going to call me on that. Yeah. And, and at some point in time, you're going to, you need to get out of bed yeah, that's right. an hour and a half earlier and you need to do the work so the team benefits. And that's, that's no doubt where it starts. I think with Connor, I'd just be encouraging him to understand that, that he's got an opportunity to lead with every single conversation that he has. Absolutely. And yeah. he isn't just a service provider to a client, but yeah. he's actually an opportunity to be an influencer, Yeah, to bring his uniqueness and his perspective and, and his creativity. And I would really challenge Connor in the uh, branding and the graphic de- design space, your role, it's a game changer. Mm. Like with the design work that Jason's done in the studio here, the design work that Laura's done with building the M3 brand, like – it is a very unique role being a designer and it can actually make or break brands. Yeah. yeah. So now, Ro, do you want to grab those questions there? I'm going to because we've got a hard 15 and I, I, I'm okay and I think I speak on behalf of the community. We're happy for this episode to go a bit longer than our usual 45 minutes mm. and we during the break we were actually saying to Ro like we might get Ro up maybe every quarter or something just to do a bit of a leadership bonus app. Um so I'm going to set the time for a minute th- and a half for each question. There you go. Um, so do you want to Pressure. pick one and read it and answer it? Brent North, as I said, it's not a question, it's a statement. Read Simon Sinek and thank me later. We can fit that into the 90 seconds easily. <laughs> hey, Brent, this is what I'd say. Uh, you're absolutely right. Sinek's a genius. Um, I'd start with his TED Talks and, and videos because I think it's a great way to consume it. But I, I uh, wrote some stuff on LinkedIn about this. I said, leaders might eat last, but they say thank you first. And uh, what I would just add to your statement there is one of the greatest things a leader can do is notice something that people are doing that's adding value and point it out Mm. and say thank you. I don't think we do enough calling up. Uh, There's a question here from Claire Ruther. How do you lead people who are older than you and that are dismissive because of age. So there's a bit of ageism down the other end. Yeah, wow, Claire, great question. The first thing is I think you've got to think through what kind of values uh, do you want to lead with and what kind of style do you want to be known for? Even if you don't get that from someone else, I think I'd be encouraging you to come back and say, do I want to be known as a respectful leader, as an empathetic leader, as a leader that's warm and friendly? And uh, and I think this is going to happen more and more in the workplace as there's a transition across uh, ages and generations. And um, you can't control 
the uncontrollables. That person's attitude, behavior, mindset, and view of you is not something that you can control, but you can control how you intend to treat them, speak to them, include them, and communicate with them. And the very last resort I would say is privately talk to and not about sit them down and say, what am I missing and how can we work together to be as effective as we possibly can? Because I realize I'm younger, I probably don't have as much experience and I want this to work and start there. There's a question here that's great within uh, 15 seconds to go. Um, Another question here, and it came up a little bit, um, how to, and Josh asked how do leaders stay leaders and not fall into the trap of becoming managers. And there's some, probably some other stuff on the sheets that you guys have about managers versus leaders. So what's your, uh, take on that row? Great. It's in Aaron's got one here about leadership versus management is a, is a big thing in teaching and making the distinction between the two becomes really, really important. You know, leaders do the right things. Managers do things right. There's all those bumper stickers that go with it. In truth, if you're in the trenches and you're getting your hands dirty and you love your people and you love the work you do, you're leading and managing. Yeah. And the distinction between the two is really hard to uh, to find sometimes. I think the difference is that are we are we setting direction and are we thinking about some of the more contextual or esoteric things? So strategy, culture, rhythms. And my friend Darren and Alison Hill talk about artifacts and rhythms and things that we look to to help guide us as um as our team identity and their work's fantastic and um then followed by management which is maybe more related to execution and quality control and policy procedures and and standards and so just helping make that distinction but typically speaking it is blurred uh but sometimes you've got to stop You've got to put your head up and you've got to go, I know we're being really efficient, but are we pointed in the right direction? And that's the job of a leader, really. The job of the leader is to set direction. Well, time's up. <laughs> you, got a, you got a question, right on John? The bank. Oh, how do I, it's like my bloody alarm in the morning. Um, <laughs> that would, yeah, that would not press, start uh, my day press well. Press again. Go, yeah, yeah. This one here from Nay Hop. Do you think you can still be an effective leader without necessarily climbing the corporate ladder? Yeah, Nay, great question because the other, the other question that that dovetails into is can you lead from the middle of the pack? Mm. Again, I think particularly around millennials, you have to understand you are a leader wherever you are placed. Your position, your title, your education, your your standards, your, your standing, sorry, in the, in the organization. Just wake up each day with the frame and the mindset and the reference point of I'm going to lead today from wherever I am. Yeah. So my question is unreservedly, yes, because – your commitment to leading starts with self-awareness, leading yourself, and then finding where you can make the best contribution right now. Because we keep painting this picture as that that single person who's going it alone at the front that everybody's trying to keep up with. But more often than not, nay, where what we're trying to do is actually keep the team together and keep moving forward in a way that has engagement, in a way that has connection and culture yeah. and communication. And so 
Absolutely is. And and you're never too young to start. No. I don't know how much time I've got left, but my my little girl, she Ten started a, she started a business when she was seven because we want to teach her how to lead. Mm. Yeah. Can I just quickly give get five seconds of yeah, my yeah. own? I just think in Nay's um, question there, I'm thinking maybe that she's saying, well, I don't want to climb the corporate ladder. But what I would say to someone like that is um, – Maybe if you don't see yourself as a leader, you can easily become stale and demotivated. So you, you start resenting the environment that you're in. Yeah, look, and if I missed that part of the question, I'm sorry. But um, again, that comes back to motivation. What, what do you actually want to be? What do you want to do? Where do you see your best contribution? And um, if you actually think in this role, I can do the best work that I, that I, that I know to do and you're, you're comfortable with that, then do the best job you, mm. you, you can. My guess is um, there's probably you're probably capable of more. Yeah. Nay, that's what I would say, and I'd 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 encourage you to explore those options um, and land on a definition of leadership that you want to grow into. Yeah. That's really important. Yeah. And would you say I'm still going to go on this? Yeah, Organically, you would climb the corporate ladder whether you liked it or not because of the leadership. Um, qualities that you've you've got in you but again you've got to remember that doing your job is different to being a leader they're a different skill set yeah and and typically what happens is we promote experts mm. and we promote achievers but we haven't taught them how to be leaders mm. and that's the work that we do and uh, what I would say is while nay and all the the, the the nays in this in this world that that are, that are listening to this conversation while you are doing your job make a commitment to becoming an effective leader mm. make a commitment to learning the skills finding out what's going on what's current what are people thinking about talking about um and and grabbing a hold of that find someone in the organization whose character and um, whose posture and how they roll is something that you admire and buy them lunch. Mm, great. Right. Um, question. The corporate world, there are many people who listen who are high-end, high-level executives mm. and that executive might want to move up into, well, I'd say high-level managers, high incomes, they might want to move up to that next position. Sometimes they've, they've, they love their company but an old prophet said a prophet isn't honoured in their own town. Mm. So that means they've – that was Jesus Christ for anyone playing at home. Um, that means they've often got to change companies because they're not valued because familiarity breeds contempt. Mm. So how does somebody who loves their company, loves their culture, wants to actually move up there mm. – like what do you do? Do yeah. you? Look, I'm a, in my executive coaching work and the and the strategic work that we do with companies, we really challenge and encourage people to put the pedal to the metal on their personal brand. And in terms of just the, the who we're talking to in my millennial money, personal brand is a natural thing to 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 that age group. It isn't necessarily to to others. So for a start, decide the kind of decide what you want to be known for as a leader. Give your absolute best to your employer because they are honouring you with, with, with remuneration 
and look for ways to add value in the organization because a move is always going to be one of two or three things. It's either going to be a move up in your current organization, it's going to be a move sideways to another organization, or it's going to be a move sideways to another organization and up. Mm. And they're really the, th- the, the, the three options that you have. The question isn't, uh, is that going to happen to you? The question I would ask you is, are you preparing for that opportunity? Because getting ready is just as important as being ready. Mm. And uh, that is really, really important. So I would be more committed, Glenn, to answering the question, can I add the most value in this organization right now for my career and my brand and this and this group of people? If not, look around. Yeah, oh, that's a good one. Very good. Hey, uh, we'll put a link to uh, everything we've discussed and I might get you to email Jess the links that you want in the show notes. Uh, check out the Four Leaders podcast. It makes me want to like do a leadership podcast. Oh, I love it. Love um, this stuff. But we don't have to because Ro's got a really good one. So <laughs> thanks, Ro. Um, and apparently I'm coming back every 90 days now. So yeah, we'll, we'll have him on retainer up. or something <laughs> like that. Uh, he, we were supposed to do this over Zoom, but um, Ro's actually in Sydney because he's locked out of Melbourne. Yeah. Or he so, ran away. Yeah, you've got no world. dramas with that right now. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much. And thanks, Ron. we'll Appreciate see you guys soon. Loved it. Thank All you. Right. All right. Bye. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. If you're looking for a super fund that puts its members' interests above all else, choose a super performer, Sun Super. With low fees, strong investment returns, and great member services, Sun Super is Super Ratings 2020 Fund of the Year and has also been awarded by Money Magazine, CanStar, and Finder. Find out more at sunsuper.com.au forward slash M3. You can join Sun Super online in under five minutes. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.